0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Sunrise on this beautiful sunny day. Um, I was just thinking, uh, yeah, winter is becoming a more and more distant past as the March has been incredibly sunny so far, and it's been such a blessing to see that as spring is coming, the newness, the life that's springing up. Um, Welcome to you guys this morning here in the worship center. Welcome to you guys online as you're with us for your art guests who is here the, for the first time this morning you guys can scan that QR code in front of you or if you're online with us for the first time you can click on that link in the comments we'd love to um just make you feel welcome make you feel invited today you can click on that link to take you to a spot on our website where you can ask any questions you may have about sunrise you can uh, fill out a couple things and we would love to send you a gift later this week just to say thanks for hanging out with us today um But as we get rolling here into worship, as we prepare our hearts for worship, I'd like to read from Psalms. I love this book of hymns and songs that um, are so ancient yet so timely. So this is from Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you. Is in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So as we sing, as we worship God this morning, think on how God has been faithful throughout your life. Let's give him the praise for all that. Why don't you stand with us as we sing?
1: all anxiety, let it rise, let praise arise, As we sing your name in the dark and it changes everything, we sing with all we are and it's in the victory,
0: I this place.
1: creation, suddenly articulate, with a thousand tongues to lift one cry, then from north to south and east to west, we hear Christ be magnified. i When every creature finds its inmost melody And every human heart its native
0: Hearts to your heart, God. God, it's so good to worship you today and bring you praise. God, we declared some pretty, pretty strong things in what we just sang. If it puts us through the fire, then we'll rejoice because you're there too. God, we oftentimes find ourselves in a battle. Maybe at work or maybe at home with our families or maybe at school with friends. God, whatever it may be, wherever it may be, we know that you're there with us. God, we can call on you for help to be by our side. God, remind us of that this week. When we're faced with those things, instead of moving towards anger or moving towards fear, we can move towards trust that you're, you're there with us and that you've got our backs. I thank you that you're faithful. It's you are a faithful God. You're always there. We praise your name, Jesus. Amen. You guys can take a seat.
2: Good morning, Sunrise. It is a sad, sad day today. Michigan lost to Ohio. Is it Ohio State? My son is very proud of this fact because he is an Alabama fan and he does not like Michigan. But it is a sad day. My name is Dan Fisher. We are glad that you're here. Tomorrow marks one year, one year since we first canceled a sunrise service because of the pandemic. One year. And I don't know about you guys, but there's definitely a sense of weariness within me. You guys feeling that a little bit too? A year of masks or no masks, this party or that party, (laughs) in person, not in person, all that kind of stuff. And it's been trying. And through all of this, we have uh, done our best as a church to communicate to you ways that you can be involved in what we're doing, tried to make decisions that we think are best for our faith family in light of God's calling on us as leaders in the church, but also just as God's people in this world. And part of what we've chosen to do over this last long ride has been to anchor ourselves deeply in God's word, to look at his story so that we can take the time to see how it is he interacts with his people throughout history in different phases of life, both the high moments of great positivity and the very extreme low moments of literal abandonment, of being taken captive and told to live in Babylon and to be happy and satisfied there and let your kids marry the people there who you hate and you hate you and your God so that we could somehow find our way through not just scripture, but the story of our own lives and recognize that our lives somehow are woven together into a greater picture than what we see just as we walk throughout life or we can even see as we look at the family photo books that our grandparents have given us from so many years. Our stories, our lives are so much bigger. This morning, I had planned on us talking about a a story of a woman washing Jesus' feet. And along the way, I confused you, but you don't know how yet. I'll tell you, and it's not going to be worth a whole lot to you because we're not even going to talk about this this morning. So, uh, John chapter 12, if you... Get our emails, and before we get together, you do a little bit of work to kind of see what we're studying, what we're going to talk about. John 12 is the passage that was written there, that we were looking at the story of Mary anointing Jesus' feet. There are a few different stories of Jesus' feet being anointed, and actually, the passage that was supposed to be written down is Luke chapter 7. And in this passage, we have a sinful woman who approaches Jesus in the middle of a gathering where this woman was not invited. She's a sinful woman, notorious sinner. She's not privileged enough to be able to hang out with the people who are at this party, and yet she shows up and she breaks perfume all over Jesus' feet, and instead of the crowd who is there celebrating Jesus and smelling the savoriness of this meal that has been provided for those who are healthy and privileged and honored enough to be there, there is instead the smell of an overwhelming perfume. And people are upset. How in the world would Jesus turn his eyes from the privileged honors, guests of honor, and focus his attention on this woman who is making a fool of herself, who is extremely vulnerable to everyone who is religious because she is someone who has made repeatedly terrible choices. Why would Jesus focus his love and his attention toward her? And the big picture idea for this story is that God loves repeat offenders. That's all of that story, super condensed, kind of set over here for a moment. I'm bringing that up to you to help clarify the point of confusion that may have caused for you, but also because I think that is valuable for us to know as we shift toward this topic that I want to focus on this morning, and that brings us to our announcements. Wow, wild ride, huh? (laughs) Uh, So if you... Uh, Follow us on Facebook if you get our emails. you got a a letter from us, from the elders here at Sunrise, uh, just reminding you of how we are handling ourselves with masks. Uh, We've tried to communicate clearly about what it is that we are or are not doing, and we realized that maybe we weren't as clear as we needed to be. So if you didn't read that letter, we would just want to remind you, thank you for wearing your mask into the building while we're in here and on the way out. We also do want you to know that there are some folks who are with us who are medically unable to wear a mask. And so for those folks, we've asked them to sit here close to the drum side of the sanctuary. And we want all of you to feel welcome. The thing we do want to avoid is folks just not wearing masks because they don't want to. And this kind of edges us back toward the sermon, but we'll get there in just a moment. A couple of other announcements for you. I know this is probably feeling really confusing to you guys. We'll get there. Don't worry. So we've talked to you about our online directory. Uh, Hopefully you've gotten a link in email so that you can get into the directory. This is where we have each other's names, contact information that you have decided already to share with us. You can upload your picture. We can share that with each other. We don't have a picture directory that you can hold in your hands. But if you scan the QR code that's in the chair in front of you, or you can take a picture of this, you'll go to our website where this same announcement shows up, and there are buttons there that you can click to either download the app onto your Android, or if you are a quality person, onto your iPhone. Okay. okay, some of you are still with me. Um, but go ahead and check that out. If you need help with that, let us know. We're happy to help you guys uh, navigate through that. Okay, we've got the wiggle room back here. You guys are welcome to use if you or your kids need to just wiggle. We also recognize that kids are an important part of who we are. So if they want to wiggle in here, that's okay too. We're glad that they're here. And you parents can wiggle as well if you want. All right, am I missing any announcements? Easter. Yeah, Easter's coming up, guys. I don't know if you knew that, but um, Easter's coming. I don't have that slide here. Is it up there? Thank you, guys. You're great. Easter's coming. We're doing two services, 9 o'clock, 1045. We're excited about that. Come join with us and celebrate Easter. We were not able to do that last year, but we're excited to do that. Of course, two days before on Friday is Good Friday. We're going to have some time here for us to gather as a faith family as well. Uh, to celebrate Good Friday before we get into Easter. Okay, is that all of the announcements? Okay, we're good. Let's pray. God, you're good. Um, as we rewind our minds uh, to the series beginning of our story, we looked at the creation story that's in Genesis that many of us have seen and heard before. The story where you created... All things, the moon, the stars, the voices that we hear, the globe, you created us. And we, in our physical space, take up such a small percentage of this room, let alone this globe, this universe. And we don't even know for sure if there's only one universe or multiple. And yet, somehow, through all of that darkness, all of the planets, the globe, the buildings that exist, the families that are here. You chose to see people, and you sent your son to us. And God, for that, we are thankful. Thank you for loving us, for seeing us through the darkness that is physical around us and the darkness that is spiritual within us. God, we pray that this conversation, this time together, would help us to see you and your calling in our lives more clearly so that we can continue to be transformed by your love and grace and so that we might continue to be a very real people with very real problems seeking answers from you, a very real God, so that we can bring the transformation of the love and grace working in our lives to the people around us. So we trust you to do that, regardless of what is said, but hopefully through what is said. In Christ's name, amen. Okay. So as we read through the New Testament, the Old Testament, we find these stories about God doing things that just don't seem to make sense through the person of Jesus. Uh, Christian doctrine teaches us that God exists in three persons in one being, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is this son who Philippians tells us came from heaven, this place of great comfort. God decided as he looked down on mankind that he needed to send himself on a mission, and in order to do that, he'd have to send his son. So he talks to his son, which is just imagination here, but I, I have to imagine that there's some kind of conversation because our God is a relational being where the father says to his son, son, I need you to leave this place of comfort, this place that is exactly the way we want things to be because over there are people and a place that is not the way that it should be. What you're going to do is you're going to give up your freedoms, you're going to give up your comfort, you're going to limit the power that you have, and we're going to condense it into one being. You will not be able to be everywhere at once, you will not be able to know all things. You'll not be able to do all powerful things, but you will be able to do some things in order that you can limit yourself enough to come to these people and bring the story of our love to them. We find this in Philippians chapter 2. If you want to jump in there, you can. Paul writes these words. This is a short letter he writes to a group of people who live in a community called Philippi. Paul loves these people. His objective as their pastor is to encourage them, to challenge them that no matter the circumstances of life that they live in, they can continue to live well. And I think those words apply very well for us today, don't they? Life is not easy. We're a year into this whole pandemic thing. We're still gathering in ways that limit us more than we want to be limited. And I think Paul's words here that are first written to Christians in Philippi are applicable to us today. He says these words, and I apologize to those of you who depend on the words up on the screen. I don't have those because I didn't prepare this prior to this morning. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one spirit and of one mind. That's a really fancy flowery way of saying, look, if you guys appreciate anything that God has done for you, would you please at least consider being unified? Can you please find the spaces of life where we can be one because of Christ? He says in verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That one's difficult. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. These words, whether we want to admit it or not, are un-American. These are un-American words. You go to the website... Uh, Let me pull it up here. I'll let you guys know so you can surf there if you want to. But if you go to usahello.org, this is a website that's set up for people who want to know about America. They're transitioning to America, and this website is set up to help them know the values of America. Among these lists of values are independence. We value independence. Anyone who is able to work is supposed to do so in order to support themselves. We value privacy. Bedrooms are private spaces. We don't talk about finances. Directness. We want to tell people if their breath smells. In many classes, Americans challenge their teachers. In some cultures, it's impolite to disagree with your teacher. That's important to think for someone who's acclimatizing to the United States culture to know. Equality is something that's important in the United States. Informality is important. Competition. Time and efficiency. A work ethic consumerism, all of these things are part of the American value. The part of this, like I said, is independence. It's self-actualization. It's freedom. To put it in the words of Paul, it's selfish ambition and vain conceit. (laughs) I don't care about what my neighbors put in my yard. As long as the township ordinance is okay with it, I'm doing it. And if I don't like the township ordinance, I'm going to do whatever I can to overcome it. (laughs) What Paul is saying here to Philippi, followers of Jesus, to Philippian followers of Jesus, is that in a world where there is all kinds of difficulty, where there are all kinds of temptations to pull apart from one another, would you please, if you have any awareness of God's love for you, would you come together and be unified? And would you be un-Philippian? In our context, would you be un-American? And here's what that means. Verse 5, in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, in the very, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Remember this imaginary conversation that I uh, described for us of God the Father and God the Son having a conversation about Jesus becoming a man. Jesus, in that conversation, could have chose, in verse 6, his equality with God, something that could be used to his own advantage, his own independence, his own self-realization, his own freedom. But rather, in verse 7, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a certain servant, being made in human likeness. What this literally means is that God decided to put flesh on. He clothed himself. He took all of the fullness of God and limited to what could be held into the human body. For this, if you just think about the water pressure that there is in a fire hydrant, you guys ever been in the neighborhood when you've seen them open up the fire hydrant and water spraying out everywhere on a hot summer day? Seen that in the Chicago city or something like that? You ever notice that that amount of pressure does not show up in your kitchen? Generally speaking, You turn on the faucet, it's a lot slower than that. It's something that you can handle, that you can manage, that brings refreshment, that brings life literally into your home. Something like that is what God decided to do. The great pressure, the power of God that would be overwhelming for any of us to get close to is somehow regulated to the point where God becomes a human being and comes to us. And the only way that can happen is if God self-restricts himself. That was a little bit redundant. The only way that can happen, that we can be loved, that God can come through all of the darkness of the universe, all of the galaxies that exist out there, past all of the planets and to this world in order to make himself real to you and to me is to say, I'm going to clothe myself in a way that takes away my freedoms for the sake of other people, for the sake of loving them. And as we continue here in Philippians, we have in verse 8 that being found in appearance as a man... Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So at some point in conversation here, it's not just, hey, son, I want you to go here and I want you to just make yourself known to these people. I want you to make life easier for them. But God says to his son, I want you to do this to the point where you're going to give up every freedom that you have that will include your own physical life. That's a really comforting feeling, isn't it? I mean, we tell our kids when some kids in the neighborhood come over, look, I know you don't really like them, but you just hang out with them while they're here. Or we go to Thanksgiving or Christmas gatherings with our families and we think about our in-laws or maybe our own families. I do not want to be here. I can make it for about 30 minutes, maybe two hours, because it's going to be the death of me if it's any longer than that. Please tell me I'm not alone in that. Are some of you who've thought that? Yes, okay, thank you. You're human as well. But what if the conversation became, the reality became, not only do you need to hang out with these people for a certain period of time and try to hold yourself together and communicate to them the love and the grace of God, but at the very same time, I want you to be willing to give up every freedom that you have to the point of actually dying for them. Would you feel comfortable with that? I would not. I think you'd have to literally be God and the person of Jesus in order to be okay with that, and yet this is the Jesus who we claim to follow. Because this God who became man in the person of Jesus came to this earth and clothed himself and restricted himself and gave up every right that was his own, we find life in the midst of death. We find freedom from our own Egypts that we just sang about. We find hope in the difficult spaces of life. And we've been in a difficult space for years. So, one of the questions that all of us are dealing with, that every politician, every local leader, every one of us wants to speak into and have control over, is how in the world should we, as followers of Jesus, respond? I just want to point you back to what we call ourselves followers of Jesus, not followers of America which means our values are not independence, freedom, consumerism. Our values are what Paul talks about in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. Against all of these things, there are no human laws. Our values of giving up our freedoms as our Savior did in order to be obedient to Christ. So that in verse 9, as Paul continues, God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, not Fauci, not Trump, not Biden, not Dan Fisher, at the name of Christ, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so in the midst of life, whether it's good or bad, pandemic or no, no pandemic, the call on our lives is to live like Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, it is through the cross of Christ and his resurrection that we are getting closer and closer and closer to celebrating on the day of Easter, that we have our identity, that we accumulate the values that God has for us to live out well. And one of those is expressed very clearly in Philippians chapter 2. That we would look at everything that we have in our pantries. We would look at the extra money in our wallets and the extra time in our calendars and we would do things like have a food pantry. That we would look at our calendars and realize there is space in time in our evenings to be with our families, to be with our neighbors, to go visit people in the hospital. That's not independence. That's not freedom. That is submitting ourselves to the ways of Jesus, of being faithful, of being gentle, of being kind, of being hospitable. And in the midst of all of this, we have these. The question becomes as Christians, what should we do with these? As followers of Jesus, what should we do with these? And this is a question that is appropriate. This is a question that's been coming up over the last several months, over the last year. It's come up around your own dinner tables, it's come up here, it's come up in our elders and staff meetings. What should we do with these things? There are many different perspectives we can use. We can look at this from the perspective of American values, independence, freedom, work hard, privilege. We can look at these through the lens, of the values of Jesus. Let me push the pause button for a second. There are good people who disagree with what it is I'm about to say. But I'm going through all of this because these are the kinds of conversations we're having as elders that have led us to the decisions that we've been making. And I think it's important, since some of you are asking us, that we share with you how it is we've landed here and how it's consistent with the Word of God, with the stories we've been going through, and specifically here with Philippians chapter 2, on pause. In our conversations as elders, we've been looking at these and asking ourselves, what should we do with these? We don't know all the answers about science. None of us have a degree in Epidemiology, or media, or journalism, or any of that kind of stuff. We're forced, just like you, to trust other people who we hope know more than we do, but we don't really know if they do. Just about everybody I talk to loves to wear these things, you know? <laughs> They're so comfortable, they keep your face warm when you're sitting on a pool deck that's 90 degrees. And they get to wear these in the summer when it's going to be 80 degrees again. And that just brings warm feelings to my heart. And the American values in me want to say, "I'm independent. I'm free to do what I want. I'm all about myself." Our elders are human beings, too, just like the people in Philippi who are getting these words from Paul who are saying, "Look. In the midst of great difficulty, where all you want is your own freedom, your own selfish ambition and your vain conceit, to use the words of Paul, would you please be unified in what it is that God has done through Jesus for your sake? So we ask ourselves the question, what are we going to do here? Here's where we've landed. If God can clothe himself, if he can put over his spiritual body a physical Appearance that limits him for the sake of being free, bringing freedom to other people, which necessitates him not being as free as he normally is, then I think we think at sunrise we can clothe ourselves with a mask, limiting our own freedoms for the sake of other people. We recognize that, technically speaking, that is un American. It's not about our own independence not about our freedoms it's not about consumerism what can i get out of this situation but we've landed here because we serve a god who in the midst of privileged people and guests of honor where a great savory plan has already been made to fill our bellies with great delight there are people who come crashing in who are vulnerable and who need attention And in those moments, we can look at them and say, like Judas Iscariot does in one story, how dare they do this? How dare they interrupt us? Or we can say like they do in the story in Luke 7, how dare this person come and make this privileged place a mess? Or we can be like Jesus. Jesus. who when he saw 3,000 vulnerably hungry people on a crowd, didn't do what his disciples wanted him to do and say, go away, pick yourself up by the bootstraps, help yourselves, but instead says, we have to do something to help these people. We follow a Jesus who, as he's walking to some places, finds a short little man up in a tree who's vulnerably hated by his community and says, hey you, I want to have dinner with you. We serve a Jesus who's in a house and people literally cut a hole in it, and they lower down a man who needs to be healed, a man who is unprivileged, who is vulnerable. Instead of saying, you know what? We're having a really great time here. Our freedoms are wonderful. Jesus points his attention here, and he heals the man. All I was supposed to do in all of that conversation was to come to you and give you an update on how it is we landed, <laughs> where we did on the mass. And then transition to scripture and share another story. I'm not Paul. But dang it, I want to be Paul and I want to love you guys well. You are Geneson people. You are not Philippian people. We live in really difficult times right now. And we can be focused on our own selfish ambition and our vain conceit and the values of America. Or we can be unified in Christ who literally gave up his freedoms so that we could be here. Am I in any way trying to communicate that people who don't wear masks don't love God? No. I'm not trying to create a contrast between us and anyone else. All I am trying to do is create very clearly for you a picture of how it is we've landed where we have landed and what we are convinced of to be true. God loves and welcomes kids. God loves and welcomes short little men up in trees who are condemned by their community. God loves and he welcomes the women, the people who come into a nice, privileged setting and flip it upside down. I think God calls us to welcome similar people, even if that means giving up our own freedoms. So God, as we go into this week, we know that this is not just about masks. God, we know that you've called us to be like you, to see through the darkness of the world around us, who see through the darkness in people's lives, lay aside our freedoms for the sake of pursuing other people. Here at Sunrise, we call all of that transforming lives with your grace and your love. God, thank you for our elders, who are men and women, husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, leaders in your church who are doing the best they can to help lead us. Thank you for the moms, the dads, the kids, the young professionals, the high school students, the elementary students who are here who are also trying to do the best they can to follow you. God, it's been a long year. And I confess that I am somebody who wants to give in to my own selfish ambition, my own vain conceit, and I want that to show up in what I decide about masks. I want that to show up in how I use my money, how I invest my time, how I waste my time. But God, you frustrate me and you set me free by having a person like Paul whose life was wrecked, but you restraining yourself to bring freedom to him. And Paul restrains himself to bring freedom to us. So, God, I don't know what this next week looks like, what the next month looks like, what the next year looks like, In what ways we're going to have to decide to give up our freedoms in order to bring unity, in order to bring a place that welcomes vulnerable people. Whether that includes masks, our time, our dinner tables, our social circles, God, would you give us the strength to do that? We're not always going to get it right, we mess up a lot. And so with that, we thank you that you welcome the condemned, you welcome repeat offenders like us. In Christ's name, amen. At the end of every service, we give folks an opportunity to give financially to Sunrise Ministries. When our elders, directors, staff make decisions about how to use funds, the primary lens that we use is what we just talked about in Philippians 2. What can we give to help other people see and to know Jesus? How can we contort ourselves? How can we make ourselves visible to the people around us so that they might serve God? So as you give, know that that's what you're giving to. You can give by scanning up here on the QR code. There's a bucket in the back. You can put money in if you want to do that. You can bring it by the church. Sunrise, we serve a great God who deserves our love. He deserves our singing. He deserves our obedience in whatever form that takes. So as we sing the song, just take some time to consider in what ways that shows up for you in this next week. Whether it's masks, not masks, whatever it is. So that as we move into a fresh new week, we're committed again to bringing God's transforming love and grace to the world around us.
1: Its victory the king of love had given up his life the darkest day in history there on the cross they made for sinners for every curse is blood atoned. One final breath and it was finished But not the end we could have known For the earth began to shake And the veil was torn But sacrifice was made as the heavens roar. Let's stand together. Lost eternity. The King of Love was on.
2: upon you and be gracious to you, give you peace. We love you, sunrise.